At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one, with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non toxic, non flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. So guys, I'm just jumping in quick here to remind you about TrueTech Tools and the 8% savings you can have on your tool purchase with promo code KNOWITALL, K-N-O-W-I-T-A-L-L. And if you guys want to save on Testo products, from their online store, go to my homepage at hvacknowitall.com, click on the True Tech Tools logo, sign up, and then sign in to your True Tech Tools account, and you'll see preferred Testo pricing. Thanks, guys. What's up, peeps? We're back. Welcome back to another podcast episode. Today, I'm flying solo. No guests today. That's okay, though. Um, I like to talk to myself, so why not talk to myself and record it so you guys can hear my thoughts? <laughs> my crazy mind just working. Listen, I did a podcast on becoming a successful apprentice or how to be a successful apprentice, and it was very basic. It was for entry-level greenhorns coming into the trade like being on time having a good attitude stuff like that but as you progress as you're on time every day as your attitude is is really good and adjusted you know what i mean as you you pay attention and listen and focus and observe you need to take your game to the next level okay you can't spend four or five years just showing up on time and expecting that that's cool no, you have to keep progressing. So I'm going to talk about some of the things that I think a mid-level apprentice should be able to do. Some of the things that you should be able to do on your own without the help of a technician. Obviously, you're going to need help. All right. But before you call a tech, there's some things that you should know and things that you should know how to do because he or she, that tech is going to ask you for the information when you're asking for help. And if you don't have the proper information, there's going to be a frustration level. We're going to hit the ceiling um, of frustration for that tech and you because the communication is not there because the information is not right. So that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast today. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. So before we get into the discussion, I just wanted to bring something up. I was working on a couple of walk-in boxes this week. One had a a leak. The other one actually had an oil leak. The O-ring at the bottom plate for the oil sump had been compromised and oil was leaking out. The thing about both of these walk-in boxes is that they both had 100% redundancy, 100% backup in case we have a failure of a unit. Now, General thinking is this. We have a backup. We have a primary, a primary backup, whichever. So the primary runs all the time. The backup comes on when needed. Fine and dandy. But I don't like that setup. I don't like the terms primary and backup. I prefer system one and system two. 
and I'll tell you why. If we have a primary that runs all the time, let's say it runs for problem, problem free for three years. And then the backup needs to come on. Well, what's going to happen? We don't know. You should be doing maintenance on the backup and starting it up every once in a while to, to check to make sure it's working properly. But still, if we have a primary running three years, for example, without the backup ever coming on, who knows what kind of performance you're going to get out of it while it's just sitting there doing nothing. So what I like to do is rename them system one and system two and every other maintenance, I switch the lead lag. Lead lag is basically your lead unit. Lag unit is your backup unit. I switch the lead lag. So if I show up to a maintenance and system one's been running for three months, I switch it over to system two and allow that to run for three months. That way we provide equal run times. And the other good thing about it is, is you know if that backup unit or that secondary unit is going to run, it's going to run properly for, for a long period of time. So what I usually do, I, for example, I have a building with six walk-in boxes, a couple freezers and the rest are coolers and they all have a hundred percent redundancy. So what I usually do is when I first get there, I'm usually there for the day when I do the PM, uh, what I do is I switch them over first thing in the morning, right? Because I know I'm going to be there for the day. So as I'm checking fan operation, coil cleanliness, contactors, this and that, I have the secondary units running. If there's going to be a problem with one of those secondary units not cooling properly, that's going to arise very, very quickly. And I'm going to notice that within the first couple of hours. Hey, that box temp is spiking. Hey, there's an alarm on, on that uh, walk-in. So I do it first thing in the morning. So because I'm going to be there for the day, at least I can get the performance of each unit during the day. Now, I have done this at the end of the day. Bad mistake because you're driving home. Hey, that cooler is not running properly. It's too warm in there. But if I had done that at the beginning of the day, I would have caught it, right? I would have caught it while I was there. I could have went up, did some troubleshooting, maybe rectified the situation, maybe not, maybe had to put it back to um, the other system while I made a repair to it. Who knows, right? But at least I would have known during the day and not on my drive home. So I just want to bring that up, guys. Um, instead of primary and backup, system one and system two, and try to have equal run times, I find it works very well that way rather than just have a unit sitting doing nothing. For long periods of time so let's get into um, an apprentice and what they should be doing and knowing a couple of years into working in the hvac trade so i'm going to bring back up the combustion analyzers that testo makes because they're complete badass combustion analyzers ask anybody that owns a testo analyzer what they think of it they will tell you the same thing i'm telling you and i'm not just saying that because they sponsor the podcast and HVAC know-it-all. These are very good tools, well-made, easy to use. And right now, I just saw this on the True Tech Tools website a couple of days ago, their offer for the free borescope is still available. All right, so if you purchase a 320 or a 330, you get that free borescope with the mail-in rebate. So check them out, guys. Really, really great tool. So I see a lot of techs online 
talking about their core removal tools and how it's awesome to remove the cores during evacuation. And it is because you get rid of 90% of the restriction that that core, that Schrader core uh, gives you. So you can pull a faster, quicker, more efficient vacuum by taking those out. The other thing that helps you pull a faster, more efficient vacuum is vacuum rated hoses, core removal tools, and using Nylog in your setup to make sure you have a tightly sealed system. Now I bring up the core removal tools because a lot of people don't know Yellow Jacket makes vacuum rated core removal tools. It's not the ones with the ball valves, they're different. If you go to yellowjacket.com and go to their HVACR products, you can find them in there and they actually have this screw type valve where you're going to screw it in or screw it out. And I'm telling you right now, when I use those things during a decay test, I have no issues whatsoever. These things are gold or badass. When you hold them in your hand, the weight of them alone spells quality. So check those out, guys. Awesome. Um, I was talking about brazing during the podcast and how an apprentice third year by now should be brazing. What will give you more confidence in your brazing is a product that I use and a lot of other techs are using now and I'm seeing a lot of good feedback is Viper wet rag. It's like a putty, you wrap it around heat sensitive devices like TX valves, um, reversing valves, stuff along those lines and it protects them very, very well. I have a YouTube video I did on it where I took a wet rag and Viper wet rag and put them up against each other. And I'm telling you right now, the end result is phenomenal. Viper wet rag came out way ahead. So if you go to my YouTube channel and watch that video, uh, you'll see why Viper wet rag is a very good product for protecting valves. Now, guys, the Armstrong um, Spot Armstrong Equipment Contest, it's still open to the end of December. I had somebody contact me recently and they're like, hey, I got 4,500 Armstrong pumps in my care. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I said, I don't know if we're handing out that many gift cards, but um, I got I got the, the person in touch with Armstrong and they're going to, I don't know what, what they're working out, but it's something. And that, that contest is still open till uh, the 30th of December or the 31st of December, I believe. So if you guys want to go to armstrongfluidtechnology.com with your pump and register it once it's unique, once they verify that, you'll get your $20 gift card for Amazon. Field Pulse guys, as usual, um, fieldpulse.com forward slash HVAC know it all for your free trial, 14 day free trial of their business software, their service business software that allows for quoting, it allows for uh, invoicing, fleet management, you name it, all of it, all in one. And it's not very expensive. And they also have a free app called Simply Send, which is invoicing estimating it's always free all the time the only time you ever pay is if you move up the field pulse and you get more features all right so check that out um, off the top cool air products <clears throat> i'm trying to get a rep from cool air products to come on the podcast sorry i'm starting to lose my voice it's getting late in the day to come on the podcast and discuss their products Discuss where you guys can buy them because I keep getting messages. Where can I buy them? Where can I buy them? So um, when we do this podcast, at least I can refer you guys to the podcast for the information on the stuff. Um, like I said, I've used it. I've used the uh, 
EC Smart Seal and external, they both worked for me uh, successfully. So I have no qualms about telling you guys about their stuff. All right, guys, I'm flying solo, but that's okay. Sometimes I got to fly solo on the podcast because sometimes people are busy and they're not available to get with me and talk HVAC. Even though I miss having the guests, I miss talking tech to tech and having those conversations because I really enjoy them. The guests add so much knowledge and they add entertainment value to the podcast. So it's just you and I. So grab a beer, a coffee, a tea, a water, whatever you drink. If you're working, stick the phone up on the furnace or the rooftop. Let's have a chat, just you and I. So my original podcast about becoming a successful apprentice was very basic, very entry level, very greenhorn. Okay, so as you move through the years, let's say we get to that 2.5 to 3 year spot as an apprentice. There's a lot of things that you should know how to do by now. There's a lot of things that you should have confidence in doing. In that first podcast, I spoke about the basic tools that you should have. All right, you should know how to use all those basic tools. For instance, hopefully you bought a nice clamp-on multimeter that has all the functions, the average HVAC tech needs on a daily basis. All right, you should be you should be knowing how to check voltage, amperage, microamps of a flame sensor, capacitance, resistance. You should know how to check all of that stuff, that meter, and feel confident with that meter. And you should know all the little quirks of the meter, how to turn on the backlight and how to set your range, how to if there's a high low function when you're checking amperage or something like that. You should know how to use all that stuff. All right, if you bought gauges. Well, I'm sure you did if you've been in the trade for two, three years. If you bought a set of compounds, you should know how to use the compounds in conjunction with a PT chart and a standalone temperature probe to do your superheat and subcooling. You should be able to do superheat and subcooling and calculate it no problem by now. If you bought a set of digital gauges, you should know how to use those. Know where everything plugs into, know how to scroll through the functions, know how to change the refrigerant know how to turn on the backlight, you should know how to do all of that by now and feel confident attaching, doesn't matter what set of gauges you bought, feel confident attaching that set of gauges to a system and taking pressure readings. If you bought a drill, hopefully you bought a drill that has multiple functions on it. Um, For instance, a lot of drills nowadays, cordless drills, they got the hammer function on it. You should know when and where to use that hammer function. You should know that if you're going into a masonry wall, that you need to use masonry drill bits. Because I'm sure that you've mounted thermostats, sensors, other kinds of things in the last three years of being an apprentice that you would know that when you drill into a brick wall, you need to use a, a masonry bit. All your basic hand tools, you should know how to use all of them. You should know that when you're turning a wrench, that you might need to use a backing wrench at times so you don't warp or twist or buckle piping. All right, there's crimpers out there that on the crimper, if you look, it says insulated and non-insulated, two different crimping um, tools on that crimper. 
Now, I've seen licensed mechanics crimping an insulated stake on using the non-insulated crimping tool. You should know the difference between those by now. I mean, it's not hard to just look at the tool and read it. So when it comes to electrical, you should have some confidence with electrical. You should understand there's different voltages that you're going to be working on. That they, that they, they range, right? From 120, if you're in Canada, we go up to 575. All right? That's, a, that's some pretty high voltage. You should understand how to pull that meter out and check voltage. You should understand there's a difference between single phase and three phase. You should be able to take any machine that you're working on and be able to check primary voltage, that's incoming voltage to the machine, whether it be single phase or three phase. And understand when you see two legs of power coming in, that's single phase. When you see three legs of power coming in, that's three phase. You should understand that. You should understand the dangers surrounding electricity. Okay. Um, you should be able to check control voltage. Control voltage of any system. Usually control voltage is 24 volts in most cases. Um, if you have a terminal strip that's got R, Y, W, so on and so forth, you should know what all of those terminals are on that strip. And you should know how to check for control voltage. Take your meter, put one lead on R, one to ground or one to common to check to see if you have a, a control voltage present. You should know how to check to see if you're getting control voltage back to that strip from the thermostat on W1 or Y1. You should know how to do that. You should know how to jump out W1 and Y1 from R to test the equipment. That should be standard stuff by now. When you pull a cap off the compressor, like the, uh, the electrical cover, you should know how to set your meter to resistance, and you should know how to check the resistance of those windings. You should know there's a difference between three-phase and single-phase windings. Three-phase, we have terminal one, terminal two, terminal three, and all the windings are going to be very, very close and very, very similar when you check. Single-phase, we have common start and run. And we need to know there's a difference there between three-phase and single-phase and what the readings are going to be. You should know this by now. Um, when we get into troubleshooting, we should know that, electrically speaking, that we're going down the line of safeties, for instance, that those are switches. Switches are either open or closed. No if ends or buts about it. They're either open or closed. You should know that if you check across a switch with your meter on volts and you're reading potential voltage, like say this is a control circuit. If you have 24 volts across that switch, you should know that switch is open. If you have zero across it, you should know that switch is closed. All right, in troubleshooting, you should know the difference between a load and a switch. A switch is like a limit or a pressure switch, something along those lines. A load is a motor like a compressor, a fan motor, a coil, like a, a gas valve. It's got a coil in it. It's a load, all right? We should know the difference between a load and a switch, and we should know how to check for power at each one and know what it means. 
These are all things that a third-year apprentice at this point, in my mind, should know how to do. In, in the opposite, resistance, we should be able to check a line of safeties for resistance. If we have no power getting to the gas valve, we should be able to turn that machine off and check from the beginning to the end to that gas valve, for instance, or ignition board, however it's wired. And if we check resistance from the beginning to end of that line, and we have that line open, then we know something is, is open in that line. Go, go check your safety switches. If you're closed, you know that you're going to have power moving through that circuit. We should know how to do all that. So one thing that's really important being a second, third year, I would say more like a third year apprentice, is uh, gathering information before you call a technician for help. Don't call a technician and go, hey, yeah, the red and blue wire are kind of loose and the compressor's making a really weird noise. What's wrong with this machine? Don't do that, okay? Because that's going to cause some real frustration and the conversation's not going to go very well. What you're going to want to do is collect the information that can help your senior tech help you figure out what's going on. So if you're working on an AC, for example, you're going to want to check your pressures. You're going to want to check your superheat and your subcooling. You're going to want to check the voltage. You want to check the amp draw of the compressor. Okay, you're going to want to relay the information of the outside air temp and the inside air temp at minimum for that tech to help you out. Because if you just call him up and say, yeah, my, uh, my pressures are 60 and 90, what's going on? He's going to be like, okay, well, what refrigerant? And that's the other thing. What, ref what refrigerant are you working on? What type of unit are you working on? Where is the unit? What customer is it at? They might know a history. So this, these are the things that you're going to need to do. You're going to have to gather the information that is needed for the help to be given to you. Because without it, I mean, it's pointless. If you're working on a furnace or the heating side of a unit, gas pressure. What is the inlet gas pressure? What is the outlet manifold gas pressure? All right. Um, what is the heat rise across the heat exchanger? Is the flame sensor clean? What is the flame signal back to the ignition control board? You need to know these things in order to relay it to your tech. And you should be at the stage where you should be able to check all these things, collect that information, and give it to your tech. You might not be able to understand all the information you're receiving and comprehend it all, but at least you should be able to check it and record it and call your tech and say, hey, can you help me out with this? These are my readings. This is what I'm getting. Because when you do that, when you go, when you go through those stages, the, go through the motions, you're learning because you're learning how to check things properly. And then when, then when you're doing that, you kind of create a scenario in your head of what could be wrong. And then when you talk to the tech, he might you might vindicate you and say, yeah, you're right. That's what it is. Or you might say, no, you're going down the wrong path. Check this. But either way, you're going to learn by doing that. Okay. Something else you should be able to do by now is organize your day. 
if the dispatcher says, yeah, I want you to go to this strip mall. There's like nine rooftops on that roof. Here's a list of the equipment. Here's a list of the belts and filters. You should be able to order those belts and filters. Go pick them up. All right. And organize your day. You should be able to go out there, do a, a maintenance and take notes. Change your belts, change your filters, check coils, check contactors. You know what I mean? Run, jump it out, make sure it runs. You should be able to do all that kind of stuff. All right. With a little bit more in depth, obviously. I'm just generalizing at the moment. But organizing your day is something that's very important because if you can't organize yourself and someone has to pick up your slack, uh, it doesn't look good on you. All right. So pay attention to other people that are organized when, well, I guess it's if you're in your second or third year, it might be too late at this point for you if you're that unorganized. But you should have paid attention to the organized people around you to see how they work and maybe follow suit. And being organized is not an HVAC thing. That's, that's just a human being thing. And anybody that's in a profession that's good at their profession is usually organized. You don't have to be super organized. I mean, not everybody's perfect. But you, like I said, you should be able to take a building and go do your thing without having to call people and ask them what to do next unless you hit a major issue that you need help with. And if you hit a major issue, that's when you collect the information and call the tech with the correct information of what's wrong with that machine to get the help. So some other things, some other little tidbits I'd hit on before we, we kind of get going here is that you should be able to light a set of torches. You should be able to set your torches up and light them. And you should be, you should be able to braze. All right. You should be able to braze um, some small pipe. I mean, when you get into the inch and three eighths, inch and five eighths, if you haven't done anything like that because you do residential and you're mostly brazing in like three quarter and three eighths line sets. I mean, when you get to inch and five, inch and seven, stuff like that, big stuff, I can understand you could have some have some difficulties. But you should be able to set up your torches. There's wide debate on how torches get set up. So I'm not even going to touch on how to set up torches because everybody, it seems, does it differently. But you should be able to set them up. You should be able to braze with ease by this point. Now, even a senior tech, guy that's been in the trade, girl that's been in the trade for a very long time, will have bad brazes if it's in a really, really tight spot, crappy spot to get at. That's okay. That's that, that's going to happen. But in a wide open pipe, wide open setting, you should be able to braze no problem at this stage in the game. And if you can't, if you can't do it properly, you have no confidence in it, ask somebody to help you. All right, because I think that you should be able to do that. Because at this point, listen, guys, if you're on a two-man team, you're with a tech and you're doing installs, the tech brings a third-year apprentice along so they can separate, conquer, divide and conquer, right, if you will. I'm going to do this. You're going to go do that. I'm going to go work inside. You're going to go work outside. And if he wants you to braise up a, a couple of small fittings and you can't do that 
and he's got to come out and fix it. There's going to be some frustration there. So learn how to braise. If you don't know, get help from someone or practice. Cut a whole bunch of piece of pipe up at home and practice. That way you're going to get better. All right, you should be able to do some, some simple installation tasks like wiring up disconnects or wiring up furnaces or removing furnaces, installing new ones, um, threading gas pipe. All right, knowing how to put gas pipe back together safely, making sure it's leak-free, leak-checking afterwards. All these little things. You guys should know how to do all that. No one's expecting you to go work on a 200-ton chiller with a whole bunch of bells and whistles and a big fancy controller on it. But simple tasks like threading pipe and making sure it's leak-free by using your leak soap or a gas sniffer, stuff like that, you should be able to know how to do that, and that should, that should be coming a second nature to you by now. So we touched on a lot of good points there. Um, if you're in your second to third to fourth year of apprenticeship, these are the things that you should be doing and should be doing half decently. And if you are, you're on your way to becoming a very good tech one day. All right, once you hit fifth year and once you become licensed, I know a lot of places don't require licensing, but where I am, we have to do a five-year apprenticeship and then we have to write a test for our license, all right, for our ticket. And I found once I got my ticket, that's when a lot of the real learning began. Because your company's like, you're licensed. We're going to send you on everything. So the more you learn during your apprenticeship, the more you tackle, the more little mistakes you make, all right, the better off you'll be, you'll be when you become licensed. I've watched companies send out guys for five years just changing filters and belts, filters and belts. And when they become licensed, they're lost, especially if they move to another company. That company thinks they're hiring a licensed tech that's been a filter jockey for five years. So, guys, learn as much as you can as an apprentice. Like I said, at this intermediate level, these are the things I think you should know by now. And if you don't, you have a little bit of work to do. And if you do and you've, you've surpassed that, I'm proud of you guys. All right. Anyway, I'm out, guys. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Happy HVAC.